Well, it is a new beginning, a new year, and we are beginning a brand new sermon series. Uh, we're going to take one of the main Gospels. So there are four Gospels. The Gospel is, um, is a presentation of Jesus. And uh, we're going to take one of the four Gospels, the Gospel of John, and we're going to do a deep dive into this Gospel. And we're going to go word by word, sentence by sentence, uh, line by line. And uh, it's probably going to take us a couple of years, two and a half years at least, as we mapped it out. And so um, we want to just immerse ourselves in this gospel. And so today we're going to start in the beginning. That's right. That's where John begins. And so we're going to be in John chapter one. Uh, do, we're going to do verse one and two. And... Uh, that's where we're going to start today, in the beginning. That's where, that's where John starts, and as we begin this new year, we're going to start with John 1, verses 1 and 2. So if you have, so, so if you have your Bible, open up to John chapter 1, beginning 1, 1 and 2. If you have your Bible app, you can, if you're watching online, you can quickly click on the Bible app, and it will show you right there, John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 and 2. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Let me read that again. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So John is presenting Jesus to the world. And he, and he begins in a completely different place. John 1, 1 through 18, or 1 through 14, but really 1 through 18, is described by many folks as the prologue, as the word before the word. It's as the preamble. It's John's preface before he gets into the meat of everything. It's a, it's a very common practice. Um, it's like before you go to a play, the, the narrator will come out and say, okay, here's what's going to happen. Here, here are the characters. Here are the major themes that are going to happen. Uh, when you go to an opera, uh, someone will come out and, and they, will, they will give a, a song, sort of an introduction to what is going to happen. D.A. Carson describes uh, these first 18 verses as the foyer. That as you come into a house, you have this sort of entryway before you open up to the main living room. That's what John is doing here. John is taking these first 18 verses and he's going to tell us about the main character. He's going to tell us about the main themes, about the main truths. I love what Dale... Del Bruner says about, about this prologue. He says, when you read the prologue, one feels like they have to be on the holy ground. When entering the prologue to the Gospel of John, here we have the overture of the symphony, where uh, the whole gospel, a preface of the greatest story that has ever been told, that we have the introduction to the central figure of all of history, the forward to the last word, the preamble to the reality of the most trusted word by the church. 
St. Augustine wrote this in the City of God. He says, when we read the prologue, when we hear the prologue, the beginning of the gospel ought to be copied in letters of gold and placed in the most conspicuous place in every church. That when we read John 1, 1 that it's the beginning of the gospel, it should be copied in letters of gold and be placed in the most conspicuous place in every church. Stephen Cole says that the uh, gospel, that the prologue here, is like entering a movie theater and seeing the billboards highlighting scenes of the movie as you go in before you ever see the movie. That these first 18 verses, these prologue, is, is like the, hmm, it's like the, the introductory crawl the, uh, of, of, the, of the Star Wars movies, right? That every Star Wars movie sort of begins with this introduction. It's, it's a, it, a, a setting the scene, you know, in a galaxy, right? A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Now, for me, the first Star Wars was Star Wars, uh, was Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia, but now it's like Star Wars 4. But in that one, it said, it said, it's a period of a civil war. The rebel starships are striking from a hidden base and have won their first victory against a great galactic empire. And what Lucas is doing here when, he, when he's writing Star Wars is that he's telling us, hey, here is where we are. We're in this civil war and there's these good guys and there's these bad guys and it's in a galaxy far, far away. And that's where John starts. John starts and lays out his major theme about light and darkness, about this word becoming flesh, about children of God that once we believe, the central figure is Jesus. And he presents Jesus the central figure of all of history, he presents him in a heavenly way, in, in a divine way, in, in, a, in a cosmic way. You could say in a galaxy far, far away. But John doesn't present Jesus from an earthly perspective. He doesn't start there. Matthew does. The Gospel of Matthew does, and the Gospel of Mark does, and the Gospel of Luke does. John doesn't begin with the, the birth narrative. Where does John begin? He begins in heaven. He begins in heaven coming to earth. All the other Gospels start with the lineage of, of Jesus. So they start with the earthly ministry of Jesus. No, where does John begin in John 1? In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Now, what comes to mind when you hear those words, in the beginning? That's right. The first book of the Bible, Genesis, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning. Right? Moses writes in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and it was empty and it was darkness was all over the surface of the deep and God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. John is intentionally using these words in the beginning to, to take us back to, to the beginning of the beginning, to, to the words of Genesis. And what he's saying is, is that I'm going to introduce to you a new Genesis. I'm going to take you back to Genesis when God created everything, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to talk about a new Genesis, a re-Genesis. 
a world as it should be, not as it is. I'm going to introduce hope in the middle of the darkness. I'm going to tell you about a light in a formless void. I'm going to bring hope and life. See, many of us think, well, this life has no purpose. It has no aim. It's, it's, just, it's just without any meaning. And John says, no, in the middle of the darkness, light has come. There is hope. There is a new genesis, a new world that has been ushered into this world. That God is doing a new beginning, a new work, and it's all focused upon Jesus. I know many of us are carrying a lot of burdens and the world seems so overwhelming and it seems just impossible and we can't make sense of any of all of creation. But John says, hey, listen, there's a new work. There's hope. There's a deliverer. There's a savior. There's a redeemer. And we those who have professed faith in Jesus are to be about this work of new creation. I love the words of Sarah Irving Stonebreaker. What a great name, actually. She's a, a professor of modern European history, and, and for so long she was an atheist. She denounced that there ever was a God, an active God in all creation. You have to read her story. It's a beautiful story about how she came to faith in Jesus. And in the last part of her story, she, she writes this. Just as radical, I realized, was the new creation which Christ began to initiate. She's talking about this new genesis that Jesus brings. This turned on its head the sentimental caricature of heaven I once held as an atheist. I learned that Jesus' resurrection initiated the kingdom of God, which will bring good news to the poor, release the captives, restore sight to the blind, and free the oppressed. To live as a Christian, to live as a follower of Jesus, to live in this new Genesis is a call to be part of this new radical creation. They are not passively waiting in a place like in the clouds. I have been redeemed by Christ. So now I have work to do. With God's grace, I have been elected to serve in whatever way God sees fit to build up his kingdom. We have a sure hope that God is transforming this broken, unjust world into Christ's kingdom, this new creation. At the church, we are to be about working in this new creation. Or as Pastor Mark Clark says, he says, we're like this green grass that's coming up through, through, the, through the cracks and the cement, that we are to be the hope of the world and 2020 revealed a lot of cracks and a lot of brokenness, racial brokenness, economic brokenness, brokenness within our heart and our soul, brokenness within our nation. 
And as we begin 2021, we begin with this new Genesis, uh, that we are part of this new creation and that we are to be about that work. And that work is hard. That work is laboring, but that work is good. That we are to be about new beginnings. And what, what John is saying that before everything began, before time began, before creation began, there was Jesus. The Word. In the beginning was the Word. Athanasius said, there never was a time when Jesus was not. There never was a time when Jesus was not. No matter how far back we go, we believe the beginning is, we'll find, we'll always find Jesus. He's eternal. He preexisted before all of time. And this is very significant. John is very intentional, beginning with Jesus in this cosmic way. It is so different than any other telling of the story of Jesus. Again, it doesn't start with the birth. It doesn't start with the works of Jesus. He starts with his work in heaven, that, that he existed before all of heaven, that he is heavenly, that he is divine, that he is God. That before anyone, anyone, all of us existed, before time ever existed, Christ was and is and will always be. Jesus, see, has no beginning. That's very important. Because there is, are many beliefs that Jesus is just one man or that Jesus was created. He was not created. He will always is and was. And the start of the gospel goes way back. John starts way back. He goes back to the start of the universe. I know that's, it's just so big. It's, it's so big. It, it just, it's so hard for our, our human minds to comprehend this. But sort of hold with me a little bit here. I mean, God always has had a plan to rescue us and to redeem us and to save us. And that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's heavenly plan. And this is so important. Because when the angels went to the shepherds and said, I bring you good news, a Savior has been born. What we see here as John introduces Jesus to the world is that our help comes from beyond this world. See, if we leave Jesus just here on earth... then nothing of this earth can actually heal the pains and the separation and the heartache of this earth. See, we need someone who's beyond time, beyond creation, beyond this world, someone who is divine, someone who is in heaven to come into this earth and to heal and to reconcile and to redeem 
and to save. See, I can't save myself. You can't save yourself. Nothing, no system or structure or idea or concept of this earth can feel and satisfy the longings and the pains of this earth. We need something beyond us. That's why John starts beyond. In the beginning was the word. He starts outside of time, outside of creation. Because the Savior is coming in to this world. It's a radical beginning, but Jesus was with God in the beginning. It is huge. Because in this sense, what John is saying is that God is Jesus-like. He's busting all of these concepts of God, all these ideas of God, all these notions of God, and he says they are resolved in Jesus. Because words are ways that we can know what's going on in someone's heart. Words are ways of how we understand and how we, how we communicate with each other. And how are we to know the heart of God? How are we to know the will of God? How are we going to know the passion of God? How are we going to know the plans of God? What John is saying, in the beginning was the word, and that Jesus presents God to the world, and that God is Jesus-like See, John tells us that what God was and who God is, he'll always be like Jesus. Always be like Jesus. And so there's no mystery. We don't have to wonder what kind of God would put all this world together, that what kind of God would create. In this new Genesis, we find the heart of this God. It radically alters our concept, understanding of God. See, Genesis wasn't written to to combat Darwin or the Big Bang. No, Moses wrote Genesis to present God as a sovereign creator over all of creation. Not over just parts of it. that, That he is a God who is supreme, who is to be worshiped above all gods. What John is saying is that that God has come in Jesus. But Jesus was, is supreme over all. And as heaven comes to earth, it's God coming in a supreme power and authority. You know, there's this movement. There's just been this long movement in the church to debunk the divinity of Jesus. The orthodox teaching of Jesus, that Jesus is fully human and fully divine. That he's fully human and he's fully divine. And there are many who have wrestled with the divinity of Jesus. That how, could, how could Jesus be fully divine? And there's a bunch of theories, but one of, the, one of the major heresies in the church is something called the historical Jesus movement. And the historical Jesus movement sort of started by a started in about the 20th century, early 20th century. What they did was they said, well, all these gospels were sort of written in the second century, which is, which is false. Uh, John's gospel was the latest gospel, the last gospel to be written, and it was written at the end of the first century. But they said that all these gospels, the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were sort of a construction of the church. 
that they weren't based on any eyewitnesses account. Well, the Gospel of John debunks that. And we'll see this in the prologue and this preamble here and throughout that how many eyewitnesses there are to the work of Jesus. But this historical movement said uh, that, that there was nothing divine about Jesus. He wasn't a man. He did any miracles. No power. And C.S. Lewis responds to this. This is what he says. If we reduce the Christian faith and Jesus to the ordinary, if the Christian faith only, only means one more bit of good advice, then the Christian faith has no importance. No importance. What he's saying is if Jesus is just a historical man, that there's no divinity, then the Christian faith has no importance. It goes on, Lewis goes on and says, we have lots of good advice. We have lots of good advice from many world religions. And he concludes by this. There has been no lack of good advice for at least 4,000 years. A bit more makes no difference. The Christian faith, if you're new to it, if you're checking it out, the Christian faith is not just some good advice. Jesus is not just some ordinary man. He's not just some creation of the church. He's not just some mythical figure. Oh, he's real. But he's more than that. He is divine. He's eternal. He's powerful. He was before all of time came into being. And so we don't need more advice, Lewis is saying. The Christian faith, the hope of the world, is that we have someone who's beyond space and beyond time who has entered space and time to rescue us, to save us. And that's how we know the heart of God. That God has come to rescue us, not to condemn us, but to save us. Right? It is for the love of God that he's come to save us. John says, in, in the beginning was this word. It doesn't say Jesus. In Genesis 1, 1, it says, in the beginning, God created. No, John is using this word with great intent and purpose. In the Jewish understanding, when you hear the word word, of course you're thinking about Genesis 1, 1. And how God would speak a word and things would come into action. But in a Jewish mindset, in a Jewish concept, word was not just speech. It was action. It was power. And we see this in Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by his breath of his mouth, all of the hosts. In Psalm 170, verse 20, he sent his word and he healed them. In the Jewish mindset, it wasn't just, oh, here's some speech that we have this person who has come just to speak about God. No, we have someone who has come to act. And then the word is this creative power. It's a word that, that God would give to the prophets and the prophets would speak and action would happen. But God is not only saying things. 
but God is doing things. That's the understanding of the Jewish concept. And so in the beginning, God has come not just to say something, but God has come to do something. God has come to do a brand new work. God has come to bring a new work, a regenesis, a new creation. But if you were a Greek, a non-Jew, if you were hearing this and you were, and you were reading in the beginning the word, if you were Greek, you had a different understanding than the Jew. In Greek theology and Greek philosophy, they, they, they had a question of how was this world held together? That it's easy for this world to be in flux and, and, and to be in chaos, but, but how was this world held together? And what they came to agreement was, was that there was a logos, that there was a word, that there was order and reason behind everything. And that even within us, in human creatures and how we were put together, that there's an order and a structure behind everything. And so John is speaking to, to the Greeks, that, that he's, he's taking the stories, presenting Jesus not only to, to the Jews, that, hey, here is someone who is coming from God to bring this new creation, but he's also speaking to a pagan culture who has this longing to understand that how is this world put together? That is there any reason and hope? And is there any order to this world? And what John is saying, yes, it's Jesus. That he is the order and he is the reason. That you are longing, you are longing for something to make sense in this world. And it's Jesus. He has come to put all the pieces together. And I see this as great hope, right? And that we don't have to live in darkness, but that there is light who has come. Look at this next week. That Jesus is this light that's been brought into this world of darkness. And we don't have to suffer anymore. And that's why John says he was with God. He wasn't just was God, he was with God. And that word there, that Greek word with, means intimate fellowship. That Jesus knows the heart of God. And you look a little deeper in that Greek word and what it means is face to face, is that Jesus is facing the Father and the Father is facing the Son. It's such an intimate word. That he has come to bring us into this wonderful union into the same union this intimate fellowship that he enjoys with the father jesus had brought us and will bring us into that relationship and jesus has always been with the father that there's no secrets and no mystery what john is saying is that jesus is the only one who can reveal god to us that he's the only one who has come to restore fellowship with us that he's the one who's come to bring order and reason, and he is supreme. He is eternal. He has come outside of time and space into time and space to save us and to redeem us. That you can't stay neutral with Jesus. And you can't circle all the above. No, there is only one Jesus. He is to be worshipped. He is to be obeyed. He is to be served. He is to be loved. But you look at all the world religions, 
Islam recognizes Jesus as a man, as a prophet, as a teacher, as a miracle worker. Hinduism recognized Jesus as a holy man, a wise teacher. Some say that he was divine, but he wasn't uniquely divine. New Age says, yeah, Jesus was divine, but, but we're all divine. And as Jesus can be divine, so will we be holy. That, that, that there's no one who is above all. Buddhists say, well, yeah, Jesus is a light man. He's a wise teacher. I think it's funny. All the world religions have something to say about Jesus. They all acknowledge Jesus. And so I believe then that's why the Christian faith is true and authentic. Because we are the ones who know the true identity of Jesus. That Jesus is God. He's divine. He's the son of God. And so rather than look at all these other world religions, maybe 2021 is a year that you say, you know what? I'm going to look at the authentic. I'm going to look at the the faith system that comes from Jesus. That I'm actually going to open my Bible. I'm going to read John. And I'm going to read this amazing gospel. That I'm actually going to investigate who this Jesus is. That I'm actually going to be, I'm going to look at the Christian faith because the Christian faith is the one has a true identity of Jesus. He is the one who's come to heal our souls. And for that, you need a community to do that. And the doors and the views and the clicks are open for you to be part of grace. But you can't be neutral with Jesus. He is to be worshiped. He is to be honored. Because he's not just a man. He is divine. He is divine. Pray with me. Oh Lord, as we begin this new year, as we begin this new beginning. So many of us are looking for a new beginning, a new beginning of our lives. We know there's something not right in us and we want sort of a new nation. We want a new world. We want a new family, we want a new work. But in Jesus, he is the new beginning. That all beginning, all newness begins in him. And so why are we searching for so many others when we can find everything in Jesus? And today is a day that we give our life to you, Jesus. If you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to begin your life with Jesus, begin 2021 with Jesus right now. There are people in the chat room who want to help you do that. It's simply by saying this prayer, you are God, Jesus what a wonderful God you are. Forgive me of my sins. For they are many. And make me new. And save me from myself. And turn me towards you so I may run with you and walk with you. And I be a child of you. And worship you. 
and give you all the glory and the honor and give my life over to you. If you prayed that prayer, as you begin this new year with Jesus, let someone in the chat room know. And so, Lord, may we not look at Jesus as just someone who's a mere teacher. May we see him as your word to us. Powerful, mighty, holy. May he be worshiped above all. May we give our lives to him and him only. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.